Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everybody. I'm Cassidy, one of your Indianapolis Colts cheerleaders, and you're watching the Believe in Colts podcast. What's going on, Colts Nation? I'm Lawrence Owen, back with another edition of Believe in Colts and my partner in crime, Donald Thomas. Donald, what a weekend for the Indianapolis Colts. Walked out of it. Seventh seed in the AFC if the playoffs started today, Indianapolis is in. Now, obviously, we still got games to play, uh, six to impact, but where is your Where's your optimism right now with the Indianapolis Colts after this past Sunday's game? Uh, positive, man. Like I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this thing from a standpoint of strength of schedule, um, upcoming opponents, um, the way other teams are playing in the AFC. If you look at it, it, you know, it's, it's a, it's the elite, right? It's the guys that are kind of locked into the playoffs right now, and then wild card and the teams that are right behind them are it's kind of anyone's uh anyone's game but the positive part is the Colts strength the schedule for the rest of the year plays in their favor to you know get hopefully squeak out 11 wins nine win 10 wins I'm hoping 10, 10 or 11 win season um you know kind of puts you right there in the wild card like every year you see 10 win teams, 11 win teams get in the wild card. You see teams that can win nine games get in the wild card. But now that they've added the extra game, the nine win teams really kind of made it to where you need to be 10 or 11 um, to get to that, get, you know, lock that wild card in. You know, you want to just lock in a playoff spot and not to worry about, you know, wild card. That's the optimal, right? Get that first week by. But, you know, we're not in that situation. So to remain positive, must every game, in my opinion, is a must win for the Colts, just the way the Jags are playing. It's going to look like it's going to be a wild card spot no matter how well they play, unfortunately. Um, but you never know, man. Houston's playing well, too, still, even though they, you know, they they lost, but they're still playing well. So it's it's, it's up for grabs, but I'm, 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 I'm very optimistic for the Colts. Absolutely. Myself as well. We'll get in a little bit to the schedule right after uh, right after I get done reminding everybody that Bet Online is still your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, NFL, NBA, and more. BetOnline continues to be your fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device today and sign up. Get in on the action. Remember, use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline where the game starts so i definitely see the indianapolis colts need to be 10 and 6 in order to hopefully get into the playoffs because just a few years ago uh there were teams that were 10 and 6 and didn't get in the playoffs right because there was that many 10 and 6 teams or 11 plus win teams so you definitely have to have 10 and 6 and have tiebreakers to make sure yeah. you can get into the playoffs. Now, right now, the Indianapolis Colts have tiebreakers. That's why they are technically in. They have wins against specific teams right now, especially the Houston Texans, who they finished the year off, obviously, week 18. They have a shot to really solidify that. But let's look into the schedule real quick. You talked about it. The next six games, all six of them are very winnable games. 
I mean, we got this Sunday against the Titans. Winnable. We got uh, the week after that, we go to Cincinnati and the Bengals. Winnable. We got now the one that worries me the most. I know. I hear it comes. Is, is the week after that when the Steelers come to Indy. All right. The Steelers come to Indy. Colts do not fare well against Pittsburgh. Haven't traditionally ever since these two teams have came into the league and, and faced each other. Right. I mean, it is what it is. And the Steelers somehow, even with one of the worst offenses in the league, they still find ways to win games, which is unbelievable considering the division that they're in. Right. And the uh, Steelers, the Steelers, I mean, the Steelers looked, ooh, they looked strong Sunday. I mean, they looked mm-hmm. old Steeler risk uh, Sunday. And so that's not promising. Um, but nonetheless, though, it's still a winnable game. It, they're still, they're seven four. They're one game better than the Colts. They're evenly matched, in my opinion. Um, so that's a winnable game, but that's the one where I'm going to leave off just to guarantee a win. So we're at what? We're at where it's we're at eight uh, eight wins right now before yeah. the first game. Yeah, Falcons. Falcons are. Yep, that could go either way, but that's a winnable game. So now we're at nine. Raiders ten. Right, we're at ten wins on the season. I mean, it comes down to Texas and Colts divisional game. We can go either way, and I think that uh, you know it could be it could be a situation where we have matching records close to it. We have matching records, or you know. They could be a, a 10 or 11 win team by the time that they come to play the Colts and they have the Colts are going to have to win that football game. Yep. Absolutely. I believe that as well. And the most important thing is the Colts, you know, we talk about all the time. Everyone talks about it. you got to be playing your best football late November, heading into December. The Indianapolis Colts three weeks ago or four weeks ago, technically due to the bye. We're just finishing out a three-game losing streak, right? Now, they're on a three-game winning streak. And that's when you want to flip that switch, get into your winning streak right now. Mm -hmm. And now the Colts over 500 and a lot of teams, a lot of people out there, media and analysts are like, you know, the Colts are a team that you got to kind of keep an eye on because defensively they're getting turnovers. They're getting sacks, right? Which both of those right there, the Colts, I think, have 20 games straight defense with a defensive turnover. 20 games straight. Yeah, they I mean the Colts have always been from the time that I've come to Indy, we've always been a team that we we get a turnover. It happens. I mean, you get it, and you know what the crazy part is? It's like I don't know what it is, but with the Colts. And this is great for the Colts, right? But you'll see something where they will get um, a good team will come in and just play like complete, not their game. For whatever reason it is, like, and especially when they come to Indy, like there'll be a team you're like, this ain't the, like if Kansas City came to Indy right now, I guarantee you that Mahomes has a, a strip sack fumble, Right. I guarantee you that um, he might. He's gonna have a. He's gonna throw a pick in a in a in a tight spot, and then the Colts might squeak out a win against probably the favorable team to take it all this year. So that's just how it kind of goes when you play the Colts, and it works well in our favor for whatever reason, um, you know. But the only other issue is right. 
we have a tendency to turn the ball over too. Even though, you know, like Minshew, you get, he gets hit. He, he, you know, he, he fumbled the football, recovered it. Right. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like we can't just, we have to eliminate the turnovers, but teams are prone to turn the ball over against the Colts as well. It's crazy. I, I, I've never fully, fully understood it. Um, but Hey, it is what it is, man. It's great for us. Absolutely. The Indianapolis Colts right now are the second least blitzing team in the NFL. Uh, let me let me bring up the actual stat because I just looked at it and posted it just a little while ago on X. It feels weird saying X. The Colts, yeah. <laughs> 15.8% blitz percentage, right? The only team that's worse than them is the Jets. And let's face it, the Jets are, you know, uh, their defensive line is unbelievable. They also have the uh, the Jets have the second best pressure rate in the NFL while blitzing the the least. So that's just that's unheard of, unreal, unrealistic. But the Colts are sixth in sacks with having the second least blitzes in the NFL. And to me, that says a lot about Gus Bradley and his defensive line, even without Grover Stewart, they are still attacking the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, like, look, listen. Um, if I don't need to lose someone in pass coverage, if I don't need to bring someone and I can still get to the quarterback and have an extra guy in a passing lane, why would I do it? You know what I'm saying? Like some, I was talking last night to a guy at my daughter's basketball game. He's a Colts fanatic, and we were talking. And I just told him, I'm like, listen, I'm like, he's like, who should the Colts draft next year? I'm like, listen, I feel like they need to go after another big man in the middle. They need to, they need to mimic Philadelphia's defensive line, defensive front. They need to get a big, strong, another Grover Stewart. 2.0, but even a more of an upgrade, find them in the draft or get another guy in here in free agency. Because if this is going to be the Colts MO, which is not a problem if we're getting to the quarterback and creating pressure, that only creates more turnovers for the deep for the for for the secondary, right? Because now you got a quarterback that's under duress. He's making bad decisions with the football. I don't have to lose a linebacker in the blitz coverage. I don't have to blitz a safety, what have you. So you know, some people are like, oh, well, we don't blitz enough. Like, we don't have to blitz. And we don't have to blitz a lot to, to get to get pressure. That's a positive. That's a complete positive, right? So, um, you know, just as long as everybody stays healthy uh, up front and get Grover back and he can kind of clog that middle up some more, um, you know, this is a front that really we really just need to fix the offense a little bit more and the Colts are building something um, for the next few years. Absolutely. I'm going to stay on that point just a little bit. Right now, like I said, the Colts have 36 sacks on the year with six games left. They are currently on pace for 55 sacks on the season, which would which would have been second best in the NFL last year, right? Um, last year, the Colts only had 44 sacks. Now, and we thought, you know, well, we didn't do too bad 44 sacks on a season. We only need eight sacks in six games to reach that mark, and the Colts are averaging over 12 sacks a game, or sorry, over three <laughs> sacks a game. I'm about to say, holy smokes. Yeah, I would love to see 12 <laughs> sacks a game, wouldn't it? Oh, my goodness. We'd be the yeah. best in the NFL history. <laughs> but averaging over three sacks a game is still very impressive, uh, no matter what. Can the Colts reach that 44 mark they had last year? And where do you think 
um, is that do you think that they should have a target line or do you think they just keep playing as they play on a game by game basis? Nah, no target line. I mean, here, look, like if like like let's look at it real quick, right? If you want to look at it, Titans offensive line bad, right? Bengals offensive line a little bit better. All right, they've they've struggled a lot. Steelers offensive line, uh, middle of the pack. Falcons offensive line, I think they're halfway decent in my opinion. Um, Raiders offensive line's been struggling. Texans offensive line has been pretty decent. So when you look at that from a standpoint of is this forty four mark? reachable i think they blow that out the water um and i think they finish first or second in the league in sacks i don't know if it's gonna be 55 because they're not gonna have, you're not gonna have a six sack game every single game like there's gonna be time like there's gonna be these teams that were like listen everybody's dna everybody's mo everybody's pedigree is known now there's there's you know 11 games of film worth to know what a team is and who they are and how they're going to rush the quarterback and all that kind of stuff Grover Stewart's not going to – Grover Stewart's going to create pressure. I don't see him getting a ton of sacks to keep adding to that list. But when he gets back – but what I'm saying is, is that it's very, very, very obtainable to get after the quarterback for these guys and to get – to create pressure. So that record is going to – that 44 mark, they blow that. They 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 surpass that 55. I think that they should make, maybe hit that. But there's some other teams that are they're rushing really well as well. You know, this, this is a problem that I have, and it's in in, in – just I'm speaking from an offensive lineman standpoint, offensive line play has been subpar this year. Like you've been seeing quarterbacks getting beat up. Like I've seen nine sack games. I've seen a 10 sack game. Like when the giants, I think it was the giants against the Seahawks. Maybe I think it was something like that earlier in the season, like disgusting, like just giving up sacks. Like I feel so bad for Daniel Jones and I get off the topic, but like offensive line plays down. Um, Colts line play is 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 up there. They're 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 as far as protecting the quarterback for the most part this year. They've been you know not the top tier, but they've been up there, right? They've been they've done a decent job of protecting the quarterback. Um, and uh, I like to you know say that you know they have a little bit of that Tony Sperano Jr. in them from the 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 the, the late Tony Sperano, who was my head coach in, in Miami, but he was an offensive line coach in Dallas before that. So, like, you know, like they have a pedigree of their coach is an offensive line coach. His dad was offensive line coach. He beats it in them on how to protect the quarterback. He creates the importance of, of protecting the quarterback and running the football and being tough up front. And you see a lot of these guys, a lot of these teams are lacking for whatever reason. You know, offensive line play is down. Like, you know, just look at the look at the Patriots, man. Like bad, like bad offensive line play results in a bad record. Um, so, you know, I don't want to get too far off topic from the Colts, but that's what I'm seeing as far. So it's very, very, very obtainable when you look at these teams for the Colts to create this pressure without having to blitz is telling. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know if the Colts will hit number one. I mean, right now the Baltimore Ravens have 47 sacks on the season, which is ridiculous. Yeah. There's got, they got some dogs up front though. Jesus. Oh my goodness. Uh, and they, and they blitz quite a bit too. Yeah. You know? Not as much as they have in recent past, but uh, they did earlier in the season, but they've, they've lessened up a little bit in their blitzing in the last few weeks. Um, we're going to flip over to the offense. We, I think we, we talked enough about the defense of what we saw. Uh, you talked about, the offensive line about, you know, how they protect uh, the quarterback. They've been run blocking very, very well um, against what the third overall run defense in the football, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We averaged over six yards, like six and a half yards a carry 
between both of our running backs. And it wasn't just the offensive line. Obviously, the running backs were creating after contact as well. Mm-hmm. But they were making some holes there for those guys. And it kind of it frustrated me in the first half when I saw that Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss combined had eight carries in the first half. You know, yes, we had 17 points on the board at halftime, but eight carries between our two running backs and they were averaging near seven yards a carry at that point. It it felt like we were kind of leaning a little too heavily on the Gardner Minshew. Oh, Tampa can't protect the pass, uh, you know, defend the pass very well. So let's throw it, but let's, I mean, uh, we talked about it earlier. We need to be able to run the football and we need to do it effectively and do it over and over and over. That that was our preview for that game. W- what was your thoughts going into halftime after seeing that? Run the damn ball. You see Colts fans wearing the hats, the shirts, run the damn ball. Um, you know, just me being an old, old lineman at heart, let's run the damn ball. I mean, you know, um, to break a team's will, there's no other better way to do it than to run a ball down their throat. And I remember just, just to go back, um, my first game as a Colt, regular season game, was against the, the Raiders in 2013. And offensive coordinator asked me in front of the whole offense the night before the game, he had this script. He said, I'm going to print this up. What He said, Donald, he's like, what do you want to run coming out the gate? What's the, number, what's the first play you want? I said, inside zone. So I guarantee you we will get positive yards the first game. The first play of the game, I want to set the tone, right? And it just sets the tone for the game when you can break a team's will and you let them know like, Hey, this is what it's going to be. It's going to be physical. It is what it is. And it just opened up the pass game for us, but you got to have the right guys with that right mindset to do that. Right. And so like everybody was on the same page when I, when I, when I, when I manifested it, you know, in front of the whole offense the night before, what did we do? We ran inside zone to the right uh, first play of the game and we got nine yards. Right. And so it just kind of would set the tone like, damn, these boys come to play. And I just want, you know, I feel like passing the ball is great. It's cool. It's sexy. It's what the fans want to see. They want to see the ball going in the air. They want to see guys making these acrobatic catches for the ball. Love it. But we also got to have a strong run game to be also be able to, you know, to, 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 uh, what's the word I want to say? Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, make it, you know, I don't know the word, but you know, just kind of marry that. Right. So, um, yeah, you know, I would just love to have seen more carries too. I was sitting there, I'm like, what? I'm like, like, are they hurt? Are they scared to run the ball? Like, what's 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 the deal? Like, do you want to put all the marbles in one bag with Gardner Minshew? Because I'm still at that point now when when he drops back, and he throws a ball over, you know, ten yards. I'm like, okay, we're good. Okay, we're good. Because like, he's made questionable decisions, you know, you know, like in the past. Um, but nonetheless, like, you know, like that's why the coordinators again pay the big bucks, right? They they see things that they that you know they see it more clear than the average person sees. They have a football mind. Um, and it kind of, you know, it it worked out this game. It's not gonna be like that every single game because there's our teams that we're playing coming up here that aren't as good, but they do have a better secondary. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Now I will say this. Look, there's going to be people out there who be like, but Lawrence, T- Donald, look, man, they had 15 carries between them in the second half. That's almost twice as many. They ended up with 23 carries between them. 23 carries for a game ain't bad. Well, first off, look, 
they were nursing a lead the entire second half. Of course, they're going to run the football. Uh, that's just it, it, it's it's how you play football. That's football one hundred and one. Nurse the lead if you can run the football and eat clock. Absolutely do it. But look, Gardner Minshew threw the ball forty-one stinking times, forty-one times in this game. All right, that's pushing that limit of you know you don't what what you don't want to see, especially when you're a run first team, and and that's what the Colts are currently right now. He averaged about six yards per pass attempt in this game. 251 yards, 41 attempts. Uh, that's that's not great. That's not horrible, but it's not great. Didn't have one pass attempt over 20 yards. Not a single pass over 20 yards. And there was opportunities. I like Gardner Minshew for a lot of reasons. But the thing that worries me the most is his pocket presence is awful. I don't think he has any. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think. I think he's blind from here back. Now, obviously, we're all blind. But he must have no hearing. You know, no feel, no understanding of how the guys, you know, blocking around and and, and stuff like that. You know, peripheral. It's like he has zero pocket presence. There is no reason on God's green earth. You should scramble out of a pocket when all you had to do really at the time was just move up into the pocket, but scramble completely out of the pocket, run down the line of scrimmage, and then stop and turn around completely to look behind you to see if someone's coming, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, at that point, with, with green in front of you, we all seen that play, right? We all seen where he did that. You got green in front of you at second down. Take the five, six yards that's in front of you and make third down an easier, you know, situation. That's what, uh, and he could do that. We've seen him do that. Why on God's green earth would you turn around in a situation like that? Luckily, he was able to get himself righted and throw the ball out of bounds so that, you know, it wasn't a sack or a turnover. But, I mean, come on. I mean, he's good for at least one or two plays like that all every game where you're just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, Lawrence, I can't I can't even answer that one for you because I was baffled by it as well. Um, you know, there's there's questionable decision making sometimes by him. And I think that's where sometimes he kind of bumps up against his, his own ceiling to get better. Um, you know, I, I still don't know why he did why he did that or what made him or prompted him to do all of that in that one play and not just run the ball up and slide or do whatever he could to get extra yards and make it more manageable. I, I, I do not know. And I'm, I'm, st- I'm not even going to go here and try to figure out, I'm not a quarterback. I'm, I'm not, I don't know the psyche. I just, I just think that he doesn't fully trust everybody around him. That's the only, that's the only explanation I have for that situation is he doesn't fully trust everybody. Like he, he sees it, but he doesn't have full trust. Like I think like this off season, wherever he ends up, if he still up, it ends up in Indy, I think they need to go out in the woods whole offense, right? Especially the O-line, tight ends, and the quarterbacks, and the running backs. And do like rope courses where they have to trust each other, blindfolded, fall back in a chair, you know, fall back off each other and close their eyes and trust the guys in front of them going to catch them. You know, as corny as it sounds, like stuff like that works, man. And I think that like they just need a dedicated day to do something corny like that, but it's going to make them a better team overall because they all have full trust in each other. Um, It's just team building. And I think that 
when he can fully trust or if, when Anthony's back that he can fully trust the guys around and know that they got it, they, they're going to do their job and they have each other's back. Because like, there's sometimes when you said pocket presence, right? He like, he, he like, you can stay in there for an extra second. You can probably step up for like an extra second, but you tend to either make a bad decision or you just do something crazy. Um, whereas opposed to like, you saw, you see another quarterback that trusts his guys up in front of him. And he's going to step up and make that throw and put everything into it and get that ball down the field. So, you know, just from a standpoint of coaching his, his trust, their trust in Gardner, then Gardner's trust in the offensive line. Um, you know, the, like NFL guys, guys like these kids now, everybody reads what anyone says about them. Everybody listens to whatever, whatever these guys, where everyone's spewing out about them. Like they just do. It just is what it is. Um, and so like he understands that like coach fans have a ton of trust in him. He knows it. He reads it. He hears it. No one's stupid. No one lives under a rock. Like, you know, like let's stop. But so I think all that plays into the fact of like when plays are on the field, I just don't want to mess up because I don't want to let everybody out. I got 60, 70,000 people watching me right now and thousands, hundreds, thousands of more, you know, on TV. I know I'm going to hear it. I'm just trying to make it play. I'm, I know I'm not the number one guy. There's so much stuff going through your head as a player, especially at quarterback. You have the damn ball every time the ball snap. You touch the ball that your decision making is, is, is under a microscope. And I just think that that plays a factor into some things that he does on the field. Absolutely. We got about one minute each to give our final thoughts uh, about the Colts right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go first. First off, I love Shane Steichen's play calling. He always, it seems like two, three times a game, he drops a, a play uh, that just is like, oh, wow. Like that fourth and one where, you know, they had Zaire Franklin out as eye candy for the defense, you know, thinking that we'd run it up the gut. And then next thing you know, you got a 30-yard play to Moali Cox down the seam, Right. Uh, love that. And also, Michael Pittman Jr. needs to get paid, in my opinion. Michael Pittman Jr., 10 catches over 100 yards in this game. Uh, he's been by far the most consistent guy on this team. I think that if you wait till the end of the season, his price is just going to be even higher because there's going to be offers from a lot of other guys. You know, he's going to be like, well, well, let me test the market. Uh, I, I know that it's late in the season, but still at least just be like, what do you think? You know, that that's what I would do, but we'll see what happens. What's your final thoughts? Um, Samson. Ibukov. Ibukov. Big play. Seal the deal. Um, Zaire Franklin. Play big. Defense play big in this game. And I think they get, they get the game ball for this game personally. Um, we didn't miss a beat. Distractions last week in the in in the uh, in the the bye week. I've said my piece. I'm at peace. Um, guys are just playing well and moving on. And um, you know uh, that's the defense has got to play lights out for the rest of the season to give the Colts a chance for the playoff push. There's no ifs ands or buts about it. Our offense is going to be what our offense is. We've shown that. We know what we our capabilities are. We know what our ceiling is. That's that. That's just going to be it. If you want to lock up Michael Pittman Jr., you can in the during the season. But I really feel like, I really feel like, in my personal opinion, the coach should probably wait to the offseason to lock him up because I don't think he's going to have like this blockbuster deal. In my opinion, from anybody, I think he's going to get a good deal. 
but he's not going to get a uh, this could be a whole nother episode. So don't, don't, don't bash me on this, but he is a good receiver for the Colts, but I think that there, we can upgrade um, tremendously in the, in the, in the, in the, the passing department with him there, with him here. So I don't want all the money to get allocated. And then we're still in a situation where we're still getting, you know, a hundred yards every other game or every three games, a hundred yards when we can get a hundred yards from a guy that's a complete dog and just, demands the ball and you just got to put the put it up to him so that we help Anthony Richardson out in the past game so that he didn't have to run the ball so much and we don't run into these situations for next year I'll say my piece that's it I know we had a minute I probably went over it I know I did sorry no it's all good it's all good uh I think that's going to do it for this episode of Believe in Colts with myself and Donald Thomas brought to you by Bet Online. and as usual go Colts go Colts do you believe Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.